Hi, this is Jeremy Kubitschek, and this is Chapter 29 of the Okie Bookcast. Welcome to Chapter 29 of the Okie Bookcast. I'm Jay Hall, and I'm committed to connecting curious readers like you with your next great read by introducing you to Oklahoma voices and stories. This is an exciting episode for me, as it's the first time I have a guest coming back for a second interview. But before I get to my conversation with Jeremy Kubitschek, a quick note about how you can support the bookcast and literacy in Oklahoma by purchasing books through our online bookstore at bookshop.org slash shop slash Bookcast. And I'll link that in the show notes to make it easier. I've curated several lists of books from the bookcast, including every book mentioned on the show, which is now over 250 books and counting, all of the books recommended from Your Next Great Read with Hannah Heron, and almost all of the 50 essential Oklahoma reads list. Every book sold through our partnership helps support the bookcast, and 10% of every purchase goes to support independent bookstores. I've made an additional 10% pledge to support literacy projects across Oklahoma. We're coming up on the holidays, and you know you're going to be buying plenty of books, so consider helping out the bookcast and some other great causes. As I mentioned, my conversation for this chapter is with returning guest Jeremy Kubitschek. Jeremy is a powerful communicator, serial entrepreneur, and content builder. He creates content used by some of the largest companies around the world. He's the author of five books, The 100X Leader, Five Voices, Five Gears, the national bestseller Making Your Leadership Come Alive, and his newest book, The Peace Index, which released on October 4th of 2022. You can find out more about Jeremy and his work at jeremykubacek.com and across social media, all of which will be connected in the show notes. Jeremy is the co-founder of Giant, a company that certifies coaches and consultants to serve companies and their employees. Jeremy has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. In our conversation, we talk about Jeremy's new book and why personal peace is such an important topic for the times in which we find ourselves. We also talk about conquering chaos and provide some tools to help you think about what peace looks like in your life. It's an encouraging conversation that I think you're going to enjoy. Jeremy, thanks so much for sitting down with me today and for being my first returning guest. So this makes you, I guess, a regular now, right? Man, that's a big deal. Oh, excited to have you. Absolutely. Thank you. So for those who might not have heard our first conversation back in Chapter 9, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, specifically about some of the writing that you do. Yeah, so um, I am an entrepreneur. I'm a writer, thought leader, author. Um, I've lived in Russia. I've lived in uh, London, Atlanta. We moved back to Oklahoma City. It's our hometown. And I basically have, uh, what I do is I create content and I license that content around self-awareness, leadership, team development, um, emotional intelligence, things like that. And that content is licensed for coaches and consultants who use it around the world. We've got about 800 and 80 something coaches and consultants in about 115 countries. And so uh, that content then gets played out and used in Google, Microsoft, Pfizer, Adobe, companies like that. So that's just an example. How does that then translate into the books that you write? Yeah, I have five published books. So Making Your Leadership Come Alive is all about influence. The Five Gears, which is about uh, work-life balance, productivity. We've got The Five Voices, which is about personality. And then we've got The 100X Leader, which is like a leader field guide. 
And then the peace index, uh, which is all about peace and uh, personal peace. So the peace index just came out about a month ago. That's right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah. So this is one that I wrote. Um, actually, it's a tool. We have 75 different tools because we figured out that most adults read less than they ever had before. So we had to create visual tools that they can remember and make them sticky because bullet pointed uh, reading has gone. That's more 20th century style. 21st century style is more visual. So all of our content is more visual than that leads to books that are power books, easier to read, you know, very simple, sticky. So um, yeah, the peace index is something that was one of our favorite tools and one of our clients and coaches favorite tools. And Wiley came to me and said, um, Jeremy, um, I signed a three book deal with Wiley. They said, can you tack on one in the beginning? Would you write the peace index? But we need it in October for the fall because we think it would be perfect time and we think the world just needs it and with all the political unrest and all of the war and stuff in you know europe and all the pandemic inflation blah 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 so that was april 26th when they asked for it they said uh we need it by the end of may we need it the first day of june is that a possibility so i went and pondered it talked to my wife looked at my schedule i was like i think i want to try it Let's go. And so I wrote the book in 18 days. And wow. it, was, it wasn't 18 days solid. It was 18 days in May and delivered to them on May the 30th. What did that process look like? You've got 30 days or so to put this together. I know when we talked before, you spend a lot of time trying to construct what you're going to say and, mm -hmm. and, and how it's going to come out. How did that change when you were trying to do it in such a compressed length of time? So one, you know, I write all my books since that's an important part. I don't work with anyone. I might have editing, you know, people like Wiley has an editor that I'll play with and kind of go back and forth on. But most, so what I did is um, for me, it was easy because this is content that I know like the back of my hand, which helps. Right. It's not, it's not things like I have a couple of books I'm working on. I've written, you know, I probably have about a hundred thousand words of books out there that I've written, but they haven't landed or finished yet yeah. because um, I'm making it up. I'm creating it. it needs time to breathe. This is a tool, the peace index that we've used for 12 years. So I mean, let's just say 10 years for sure. So it's easy then also it's framed in a way because it's basically talking about the number over your head, which is around purpose, people, place, personal health and provision. So you've got five chapters right there. Yeah. It also, for those who know who are in the book world, um, you know, you'll get commissioned to write a 30, 40 or 50,000 word book. So I said, guys, I can't do it for a 40,000 word book. I can do it a 30,000 word book. That was a key component. And yeah. then I also, I know myself well enough to know if I know what I'm writing about, I can write 5,000 good words in a day and I can write 3,000 good words in an afternoon, evening. So I know that about myself. So then I started to construct 30 days, 30,000 words. And so I started marking my calendar for half day slots and full day slots of when I could weave it in. Yeah. And then it was all my weekends were taken. <laughs> and then I put all of that, I'd scheduled it to give myself room for all of it. And then I only needed 18 out of the 30 days to get it done. That's great. So did you find that you were able to hit those benchmarks that you could knock out 5,000 a day, 3,000 an afternoon pretty regularly? 
Yeah. And some would even go further than that because I just knew it so well. So then that goes back to the outline. And for me, the outline is so strong. You have to, for me, I have to work off of an outline of intro, outro. And so then I started in our community, I started collecting stories. So I sent all of that. Hey guys, I need a story on X. I need a story on Y. Who can give me? And so I've sent that out to the ether world in Slack community. And then they started to slack me back all of their stories. And so I started collecting, collecting, collecting. So anytime you collect that, you go, well, that's a, that's a thousand word story right there. Or that's a yeah. 400 word story. Now I got to whittle it down and massage it and edit it. So it's actually faster if you can write your own words than having to edit someone else's into yours. But it does help you with certain powerful components. So that's what I did. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about just the index itself. So you mentioned these five areas and you mentioned a number over your head. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, you have a number that's over your head and you have no idea that you do. And I'm going to make you aware of it. You have one, Jay. You've got a number. And that number is it's the level of peace. It's your peace level in the day. And it changes every day. You And it's around the five words, which are purpose, and then people and place and personal health and provision. Provision is your earning. So how good do you feel about your earnings? Meaning, do you, do you have enough earnings to live the life you're living? It's not what you want. It's but what you need. And that's the key component. So what I do is I help people in this book understand the numbers. What's your purpose score? What's your people score? What's your place score? And by doing that, personal health score, provision score, by doing that, um, it actually helps you realize where you're off and why you're off and why there's some, some dissatisfaction there versus general whining that most people do. They're generally discontent. So if you if I ask you, hey Jay, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I've been better. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know. I, that's not what I was asking, but you're right. going to tell me, aren't you? And <laughs> and so, but people are kind of like generally just okay, but no one ever does the work to unpack why. Well, what is it? Is it your neighbor? Is it your one of your kids is really stressing you out right now, or your purpose is off? You don't feel like you love your job, or you really could need another thousand dollars a month of income, or see what I mean. So it's yeah. that type of of construct, and it's so helpful. Like I just spoke to U.S. Cellular today, and they had a hundred of their leaders, and I was just helping them break it down. And it, I helped them go: which one is your driver? Which one's most important? And which one is the lowest? And all of a sudden, they had these major light bulbs go off. Oh my sure. goodness. I'm not spending enough time here or I'm blah, blah, blah. So that was, that's really uh, the purpose of the book. So I'm assuming in addition to kind of identifying the issues, then there is also some tracks towards here's how you can make some adjustments. Absolutely. There's like a game plan. So what's your peace plan for yourself? And what I say is like um, everyone wants world peace, but you can't have world peace until you have inner peace. And so the idea of inner peace is how do you manage your own emotions so that others don't have to manage your emotions? And so that's in essence what the peace index is about, helping you manage your emotions. So at the very end, my favorite chapter um, is chapter eight and it's keeping the peace. And it's basically what I do every day 
to um, manage my emotions. And I do a call-up session in the morning, which I basically get myself ready. It's almost like my own rah-rah motivational session for myself. <laughs> and then I look, I have this people of peace um, uh, session where I look for people of peace. And I think about them for the end of the day and I kind of pray over them. This book is a secular book, um, but I, you know, I put in my, that's what I do uh, sure. every day. So I, I write a little bit of what I do. And then at the end of the day, I do an examine where I, I look at my life. Where was I not at peace today? Where was I off today? And so far as it depends on me, how can I be at peace with that situation or that person? So it, it gives really constructive, practical, like you're going to walk out going, I've got to work on my place and here's what I'm going to do. And then here's how I'm going to manage my emotions. And here's my system for looking for people at peace. And here's my, and, and it's just one of those books that it's 30,000 words, but it's going to be power packed and people who are reading it, they might read it on an airplane or they might read it in a day and they're like instantly enthused. Yeah. And that's the feedback that I'm receiving, which is awesome, which is exactly what I hoped it would do. That's great. So you mentioned the number and I want to talk a little bit about this quiz that you guys have developed. So right now, anybody can go uh, to the website, take the Peace Index quiz and kind of find out, at least in this moment, what the number is over their head. That's Talk right. about that quiz a little bit, how it developed and how it ties into the whole big idea. Yeah, so it's it's, imp- it's simple. It's the peaceindexbook.com. You can go take the test and just take the Peace Index assessment. And it, it just helps you for those who may not know how to subjectively do it. This is more objectively quantifiable where you're just answering some questions and you're realizing, oh my goodness, yeah, I am a 64. How am I 64? So then it it shows you where you're off and why. And then it becomes this really great dialogue. So how I would use it if I'm you, I would use it with your spouse if you're married. It was a great conversation. I use it with all of my kids. When my kids were teenagers, um, when they were younger, I used it when they were 13, 15, 17, that time frame. It works perfect. Yeah. It's a great, it's better than going, how are you? No, really, how are you? Right. People don't know what to do with that. Instead of like, how's your peace index? Where are you at, man? I'm probably at a 72 right now. Where are you? So now I'm being vulnerable and now I've given language to have a really deep conversation that you might be able to help someone move their peace level to the next level. And we'll make sure to, to put a link in the show notes to that that website so people can go out and, and check it out. You alluded to this a little bit, but I'd love for you to unpack it a little more. You mentioned that your publisher, Wiley, wanted this book to come out pretty quickly. Why was it important for you to write this book right now? What is it about the content and what you see in the world that, that just connected? Yeah, I have a, I have a fun story on this. Um, one, it's like, I'm mad. I'm mad at chaos. I'm mad at, I'm mad at how swayed people were over the last two and a half years. I'm not judging people, but I'm mad at the puppet masters mm. who put things in play. Now, some of those were tsunami effects. Some of them are orchestrated. And, and this isn't conspiracy theory when I say that. What I'm saying is I'm, I just want people to be more resolute. And I want us to develop inner peace when there is no external peace. So uh, I had this friend, um, sweet friend who used to work for me. She had a dream. She sent me her dream. She goes, the weirdest thing. I had a dream about you. 
you were in the ocean and you there was waves coming right towards you and you were walking towards them, not running from them because in the dream you had iron legs and in the you were walking and could, you were stable. And then the next thing I saw was all of these other people linking arms with you and they all had iron legs and they were walking towards this chaos. So the subtitle is basically how to conquer chaos and find fulfillment. And it's like conquering chaos is a job for, for leaders. It's a job for resilient people because so many people are being swayed by so many of these big external out there anxieties when they're not an anxiety that affects you every day, but it's being allowed to affect you. And then it leads to these crazy conspiracy theories and these crazy ideas on the right or on the left. And I'm like, wait, 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 peace, peace, relax. So the idea of that, the scripture, blessed are the peacemakers. I basically have come to the fruition the idea that peace is power. When you're at peace, you can handle waves. Therefore, that's actually a modesty, a humility. Uh, it's a it's a power. That's a good segue, I think, because you you mentioned that you talked with U.S. Cellular today about it. I know that you and your your team work with a lot of different corporations, universities, other these really large kind of established institutions. Is this message resonating? at that institutional level, or is the focus really more just on getting individuals to get it? No, it's unbelievable. In fact, I was really worked hard to make this non-fluffy yeah. and very, very practical. But here's here's what I should share today, and here's what they told me about. I was explaining about the great resignation, and this great resignation is really what it is, is people's peace index have been blown up by chaos. Therefore, they don't have bearings. Yeah. So they're making irrational decisions all because they don't have an inner peace. So what would it look like for leaders to actually bring peace to their people? So empowerment is really um, the, the idea is most leader development is cerebral. Yeah. Uh, if you think of Harvard, if you think about all of those. But what they haven't taken account for was the sideways energy of a kid having to stay at home and not being able to go to school. Well, how does that disrupt peace? It disrupts. How does that? And then when you disrupt that peace, it disrupts performance. So peace equals performance. It's directly tied to the level of it. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to get performance up, then you and you want people to be empowered, then you need to help them increase their level of peace. And they're getting that. They're like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Do you see, I mean, it's, it's early, the book's been out a month, but I know you've worked with people on this idea for a long time. Do you see these large organizations saying, we're going to make institutional changes or we're going to think about how we work with employees differently, or, or is it really more focused on that individual? First, they have to. Yeah. They're being forced or they'll be canceled. Right. You know, and now I'm not saying this from the, some of the clients we work with, because I've, I've seen the really the intent. But a lot of large corporations, and we work with large and small, but a lot of the large corporations are have to. They're doing ESG or they're doing diversity training and DEI. They're doing all these things because they have to right. out of fear of being canceled. But it, in some cases, it may not be genuine. 
And so, therefore, if you get team leaders, though, that really get bought in to the idea of helping their people, empowering them, helping their people be at peace, focused on fighting for their highest possible good of their team, that's when you start getting traction. And that's what we're seeing. If I can turn this back towards you a little bit, because we've talked about kind of the out there. How have you seen this? You talked a little bit about working with your kids. How have you seen this impact? your piece um, and how has that evolved over time? So all of our tools are created by, you know, me, Steve Cockrum, some others, but we're created because we had issues. (laughs) So (laughs) we're like, this is just solving our own issues. Right. So the peace index for me is enabling me to manage those emotions. I used to be, um, my personality type is like high highs and then implode or blow up or, and then high, high again, then blow up and high, high. So it's just very, very passionate. So what it's done for me is it's actually stabilized my emotions to there's less highs and lows. It's more stable and more on the higher level because I've started to go, what's off right now? Oh, it's obvious. Last night, I'm, I'm really tired. I've been speaking since September 18th. And I don't finish this tour until November, right right before Thanksgiving. Hmm. And then I get a little break and then we go on again. So you've got those dynamics at play, right? So I got into my office last night and I started to re-envision 2023. And I started to reset. But I knew I needed to do some work on my purpose. Hmm. Because I'm, when you're doing stuff over and over and over again, you kind of have to go, why am I doing this again? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Okay, we're good. And so I went to bed and I woke up with kind of a reset. You mentioned the touring. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that because I know you've traveled quite a bit. You're also doing a lot of interviews like this and some other online presentations. What's that like for you? I know that you are very much a people person. You like to be out and among the folks. You mentioned it it being tiring. But uh, as an author, What's it like to get out there and tour and and let people see what you're doing? So if people looked at my schedule and I've had several people and they're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what, how? Well, I go, yeah, partly it's, it's recharging. It's energizing. Yeah. Um, the other part for me is that when I teach, I learn. Hmm. Uh, I was, I've been doing podcasts. I probably have 25, 30 podcasts that I'm doing in the next, you know, this two month period. Well, I learn, even talking with you, your questions are prompting me to think about things differently. That piece is power. And all of that came from a podcast, from just talking it out. So that's why I love that. I love podcasts because it enables you to shape your and continue to go, yeah, this is why it's important. Yeah. So for you authors who are listening, that's the beauty of podcasts is like they actually help you. I mean, because you get asked tough questions you got to bring it. Is this what you really believe or not? And, you know, the only thing that's interesting, because I've written lots of books and spoken, it's almost like um, a band writes whatever song they write. If it's a hit, they're going to be singing it the rest of their life. Right. So you better, you better like that song. And so that's a little criteria for me. Do I want to talk about this the rest of my life? And I go, would I want to talk about peace the rest of my life? Absolutely. Yeah. It does nothing but benefit me every time I get to talk about it. That's awesome. But as I talk to authors and, and hear some of the touring things, I hear both sides of that. And 
the reality is most people who write books do it because they like to be in rooms by themselves. And so that, you know, shaking hands and, and meeting people and, and interacting, like you said, can be exhausting. But and for the people who really get into it, it, it's almost like a superpower, right? The more you do it, the, yeah. the more you want to do it, and the better you get about it. Today, Jay, I had at the end of this U.S. Cellular talk, they had a book table for me to sign. Yeah. Okay? It was like, like old school book signing table. So I had, a, I had a, about 100 books, and I only had 30 minutes to get to the next oh, wow. place. So um, I'm like, all right, let's go. But the way I did it was I just signed my name and I just asked a question. And this is what I find very easy. They're all in the same company. I go, uh, so uh, where's your town? Where's your hometown? Or, or what location are you at? I'm in St. Louis. Oh, I love St. Louis. Great to meet you. What location are you at? Hannibal, Missouri. Oh, Hannibal. I know someone. That's Mark Twain. You know, and I, right. so then I'm asking one question to keep it moving. Yeah. With, without it being awkward because it could get really awkward or you get the long-winded person to go, can you make this out to my aunt, uh, Edna? <laughs> right. She's, you know, she's the dearest, sweetest lady. In fact, one time, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the 85 people behind you. So you're, there's little hacks you learn to keep it at moving. Well, that's a great strategy because you're also connecting. You know, even even though it's coming from you, Instead of you know waiting to receive from them, you're creating some kind of connection so that they feel like even though it was a 10 second conversation, there was a conversation with with the author, with the person who came to do this. That's it. Well, before we get to our final questions, I want to ask you just kind of a, a maybe a larger question about your work. You write leadership books. This one's probably a little more self-help motivation kind of thing, I think, is how it gets categorized on Amazon. That's a really, really crowded space. We yeah. can go find hundreds of books about the things that you write about. What is yep. it about your writing, and, and this may be calling on you to brag on yourself a little bit or differentiate yourself, what is it about what you do that is different, that sets you apart in that crowded space? Well, it's it's different in that I've done it backwards than most authors. Most authors have start with a book, then they have a keynote, and then they might have a course or a product and that's the lifespan and the revenue stream of that book. Right. And then they're schlocking that book everywhere they go. Um, for me, I actually built a business on our content and a distribution through technology. I've created a SaaS company that um, I'm getting paid on my content each month by 800 and something. And then all of these companies are paying for it on a monthly. And it's a low monthly fee. To, so it's spreading like wildfire. Yeah. So I built distribution. So now my books don't have to be, I took the pressure off of them to be something. Yeah. So uh, what they are is their business cards. They're really uh, marketing. They're like, I like this stuff. What do they do? Who is this guy? So then they go to the next and the next and the next. So um, we're building, we're actually creating a box set. Um, Wiley said, hey, your books have done so well. We want to do a box yeah. set of five, five voices, five gears, and 100 acts. And so they're going to be in a leadership, productivity, personality, and leadership. It's kind of the theme of those three. But it's all like, um, it's all branding. It's all marketing. I just today finished the workshop. We have a course. We have the licensing we have, um, you know, the free course or the free uh, assessment that then leads to more people finding out about us. Right. So it's a, I used to put so much pressure and then I just realized 
my expectations were way too high. They were unrealistic. And do I want a book to catch fire and be a purpose-driven life? Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, this is like, uh, this book is written to more of a personal yeah. versus the other book are more leadership and team. So this is a lot more personal. And so um, the, the last thing I'd say on that is um, one of our weaknesses is audience building. Uh, because I've not ha- been in it to make it about me or yeah. creating. But the problem is with authors who play in the space of a, you know, it's it's a New York publishing house. That is the pressure to be somebody and to set it up. So um, I'm doing some things that I think fit me authentically on audience building. And we're about to launch those that will help. That's kind of how I've viewed It's helped keep me sane. And like you said, it takes the pressure off of it. You can yep. write what you feel like needs to be written, but there's also just not a pressure of, I don't need the world to get this. I just need the people who are going to get it to get it and and hope that's large. But if it's not, then that's mm-hmm. okay too. That's it. Love it. Well, I want to shift to our final questions now for folks who usually listen to the podcast. Typically we have the same three questions, but because Jeremy's been here before, you can go back and hear those answers in chapter nine and we'll be sure and link that as well. So I've modified the final questions a little bit, same ideas, but give you a chance to give maybe some slightly different answers as we go. So first question, what are you reading right now that you would recommend to folks? Yeah, this is interesting. It's a, when I write, I can't read very much. Sure. And then when I'm on tour, it's really hard because I'm just doing the business of it. So I have to read very, very small power books. And I call them power books because I've read them five, six, seven times. I've probably read this book I'm going to show you seven times. But it's also from a dead guy. I like to read a lot of dead guy's stuff. So this is Andrew Murray, Absolute Surrender. Hmm. And what it's doing for me is it's keeping me grounded in humility and what it's about and in, in the time when everyone's like, you know, today – there was a, can we get a picture of you with all the people? And there was like, a, literally like standing ovation. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, this is the best. Thing. And all of that stuff. And it starts to like play into your ego. Yeah. And then you, you go, no, no, it's, this is, it's, I'm a bloke. I'm just a guy. I'm just <laughs> writing stuff that can be helpful. It's helpful for me. And so it keeps you in check and perspective. So that's the book as a writer. I would highly recommend it because it helps you reshape your expectations. Next question then, what's the very first thing you can remember writing? Um, yeah, I actually haven't appeared. I had uh, my very first thing I wrote, I would write in my journal. I started journaling when I was a junior in high school. Okay. My grandmother uh, encouraged me. We went on a trip to Europe and I started writing. So then, and I don't know, this is like this Renaissance kid of me it's so dumb <laughs> kind of 80s 80s renaissance man type thinking i'm in yes. austria sitting and having a pastry with my journal i mean it's like so dumb thinking about but i started writing poetry and i actually have a book that again it's it's back behind me and it's this uh it's called the seekers collection is basically a little booklet and i went to kinko's Nice. And in the day, and I wrote this little collection of poems from the journey from 1993 to 1998. That's cool. And 
So that that's that was my first thing I've I've written. Third question then, since you your focus is on leadership in that space, if you could have a meal with one leader from history, anytime, any kind of leadership, who would it be and what would you want to talk about? Well, I'm I'm literally fascinated and fixated on Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah. Um, he was a peacekeeper. He was a supreme commander, but only had two soldiers that died. I believe that's right. That's what I've read. Wow. Uh, that died in eight years as president. And I'm fascinated by the way that he built infrastructure in America. I'm fascinated by how he bridged the gaps of the old era and started the new. And I don't think he gets enough credit yeah. uh, for what he did. I think he made us a superpower. And I'd want to talk to him about that. That's cool. Do you have a, a particular book about Eisenhower? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, I really like uh, Supreme Commander um, is the name of the book. and But that's the, that's more the war side of him. Yeah. I haven't found one yet that I love. I've found pieces I like when he was not, you know, uh, at war when he was in office. But that's a good place to start. Yeah. Awesome, Jeremy. So now that the Peace Index is out, you've mentioned there's still more touring. What's next? What are you working on? So um, what we, we're working on next is working on an audience building systems where we, we use video and technology a, lo a lot more. And then I start the uh, January starts the book uh, box set promotion with, with Wiley. Uh, the Peace Index will go into the airports in November. Uh, we're going to do a big campaign for people to go, uh, how do you buy books for your employees? It's a great, it's a great Christmas gift. Um, and then, uh, we're into the next one, which is probably going to be around communication. And we have a technique that, uh, unlocks communication and relieves drama and almost, uh, a better way to deal with, uh, conflict. But it's a unique way to do that. And um, so that's that's most likely going to be our next content because I have four books to write. They wanted me to write two in a year. And so I think what I've decided, Jay, is I'm going to write one big book a year and then I'm going to do one self-published book a year, a yeah. really short power book. It's stuff that I got to get out of my head. Yeah. But you'll have a little more than 18 days to write the next one. Yeah, I got three months. Outstanding. That's all kinds of time. Jeremy, before we go, how can people connect with you, um, website, social media? Yeah, I think the best way is go to the peaceindexbook.com and there's a section about me there if you want to find out more about what I do and it links to uh, my speaking sites. Uh, or go take the free assessment and then you can always, you know, uh, if you haven't picked up the book, obviously we always encourage that. But anyway, there you go. And the uh, the podcast is still happening, the Giant Leadership Podcast yes. with Steve Cochran. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, People can find that well, everywhere. Yep. Just where you find podcasts, um, giant leadership podcast. Steve and I do have some banter. It's a British American banter fest and we just kind of <laughs> go back and forth. Great stuff. Jeremy, it's always awesome to see you and just hang out for a little while. Thanks for putting the peace index out there in the world. I think it's an important book. I think it's something that's timely now when we'll probably be timely for a long time because I don't see chaos going away anytime soon. Dude, Thank you, Jay. I appreciate all you do, man. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Remember, if you want to take the Peace Index quiz to identify the peace number over your head, you can find it at thepeaceindexbook.com. Our review today is from Oklahoma author J.M. Holmes. 
J.M. was born and raised in Canada, but has lived in the United States since 1995 and says he finds Oklahoma's slower pace and laid-back atmosphere the perfect environment for keeping his creative juices flowing, and it helps him find inspiration for writing such diverse fare as crime noir novels set in Texas and sci-fi adventures that span the galaxy. With his two kids both out of the house and studying at OSU, the only remaining distraction in J.M.'s home are the six feral cats who have chosen to take up residence there. When he's not at home riding or feeding cats, J.M. can usually be found hogging the most comfortable chair at Oklahoma City's Full Circle Bookstore. And, if you're a basketball fan, you might bump into him at an Oklahoma City Thunder game. You'll know him by the Toronto Raptors shirt he'll be wearing. You can also find J.M. and his work at jm-holmes.com. J.M. is reviewing a book that I love, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. Ever since the emergence of Sherlock Holmes... Readers have been fascinated by the extraordinary perceptive powers and razor-sharp insights into human nature which are displayed by our most famous literary detectives. Which is why it would seem to be illogical for Mark Haddon, in his novel The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, to make his detective a 15-year-old autistic boy called Christopher, who in the best traditions of the classic detective yarns narrates the book in the first person. It's a bold choice, but Christopher has a unique perspective on human behavior. Not quite understanding, but seeing nonetheless, as though he were merely an observer of this human comedy. It allows us to exercise our own incisive powers of perception, trying to discern what the child is missing, trying to see what he does not. But Christopher also sees life in ways that we, as adults, have forgotten. Like Picasso, he looks at the world through a child's eyes, commenting, The world is full of obvious things, which nobody by any chance ever observes. The emotional barrier which separates him from the rest of humanity gives him the distance to see what we normally overlook. Christopher's observations are at times hilarious, but can also be heartbreakingly sad as he struggles with his emotional angst. And we are right there, with him, riding along with him through all his highs and lows. On a superficial level, the book involves Christopher's attempt to discover who killed his neighbor's dog, which he finds dead one night, stabbed by a pitchfork. But on a much more profound level, this story is a clever, moving, and suspenseful foray into an emotionally disassociated mind. It is full of black humor and profound insights which will move you, delight you, and leave you deeply affected. As a side note, I should mention that although this book was originally marketed to both adults and children, there is a significant amount of swearing in the book which might upset some parents so I suggest you first read it yourself before handing it off to your school-aged children if that was your intention. I guarantee you, you won't regret reading it. Well, that's it for Chapter 29 of the Okie Bookcast. A big thanks to Jeremy Kubitschek and J.M. Holmes for being a part of the conversation. Remember, you can connect to all things Bookcast at our website, okiebookcast.com. You can get information about past and upcoming episodes, subscribe to the BookCast newsletter, and meet all of my guests through the BookCast blog. I'll be back in two weeks with an interview with another author from the 50 Essential Oklahoma Reads list that you don't want to miss. Until then, go find something good to read.